0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Classic Pitball Podcast. My name is George, and I'm joined by Dr. Dave. Hello,
1: Dave. Hello, George. That was a long one this time. Dave,
0: about two and a half months ago, I reached out to Stern to see if I could get an interview with Keith Elwin. And believe it or not, I got an answer back within like 24 hours. Sweet. We've been going back and forth since early February trying to schedule this. Either he's, well, he he was a little busy with the release of the uh, James Bond and, you know, doing all the promotion and whatever else. So that kind of took him away from getting back to us. Finally, we've agreed at a time and a date. Crossed fingers, everything lines up, Zoom call goes well, yes. everybody's happy, and we have some good questions. So, I'm excited about it. I'm hoping to do a little bit different take than most people will with Yeah, I think
1: we will. We've been talking about I think we have a great way we're going to uh, roll with this. I think it's going to be uh, a lot different. It's going to be our, our style in it, and it's going uh, to be great to hear his story and that kind of thing.
0: Well, I've heard bits and pieces of his story, but I'd really like to frame it all at one time and get the chronology down. Because if I'm asking the question, I'm sure there's others wondering the same thing. So stay tuned. I have no idea how long it's going to go. I have no idea other than some of the prepared questions I have where it's going to lead. So stay tuned. Uh, A little bit bit different in uh, the uh, classic pinball podcast variety show. Yes. (laughs)
1: Cue the variety music.
0: I'd like to welcome a person with decades of background in pinball. Some of the words used to describe this person are talented, seasoned, and experienced. He is well on his way to being the best and most decorated designer in pinball, if not already. Please welcome to the Classic Pinball Podcast,
1: Keith Elwin. Welcome, Keith.
2: Thank you. I think uh, you're just describing I'm getting older.
1: <laughs> and wiser right hmm. you do
2: you do have there. a lot of time in the pinball industry uh yeah man god i've been playing pinball since i was like eight years old and then out of uh <clears throat> high school yeah I, I became a technician so yeah <laughs> one way or the other i've been in the industry Wow, you're, you're, you're jumping ahead on me but that's really good so I want to ask the question,
0: I heard in another podcast that you started playing at around seven or eight years old. Is your brother responsible for that?
2: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was cheap babysitting because, uh, you know, my mom, um, my parents were divorced and uh, my mom would have him, you know, watch me and he didn't want to sit around and watch me. So he was like, hey, let's go to the arcade. And, uh, so he's day- he's like he's 10 a- years older than you are? Yeah, yeah. And he, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, so we had to make it last. So we would play pinball, and uh, that's kind of how it started.
0: Where, uh, where did you get your start in playing pinball? We all remember our first arcade.
2: Uh, we used to. Well, there was two places we used to go. Um, one, I have no idea what the name is, but it was this tiny little arcade that had a Stern Galaxy. And the other was Family Fun Center, which is a massive arcade. They must have had like 80 pinball machines, but they were all pretty broken. It was so uh, if we actually wanted to play something at work, we'd go to the smaller arcade. And uh, I know I played, I think it was a Stern Stampede. That's my earliest memory of playing pinball. There was a little thrifty ice cream store down the street, and they had one of those. And I always wanted to play it. And my parents was like, no, no, no. Waste of money, kidney gambling, whatever. But I, th- I think they finally let me play it once. That was my earliest memory of which game I actually played.
0: So you continued to play pinball through your youth. I'm guessing you were a regular at one of the arcades during your teenage years?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think I was like 11 or 12. Um the Sears by me opening an arcade and it was, it was amazing because, you know, my mom used to love shopping at Sears and I hated it. And all of a sudden they opened an arcade and then it was like, cool. Yeah, I'll come with you. And right. <laughs> she plopped me in the arcade. And I remember they had a, a frontier, which really started my, uh, my love of pinball. They had firepower. They had hot tip. They had a captain fantastic. They had a grand prix. Um, And I'm sure they had one or two others, but uh, it was great. And the games worked great. And uh, yeah, that's what really started it was uh, these shopping trips I'd go on. And it was fun independence because I'm, you know, I was, you know, 11 or 12. And my mom would just leave me there while she was doing her thing. And, you know, just made friends and we played a lot of pinball.
0: Now, did you ever during your teenage years work for an arcade or did you just spend money there?
2: Uh yeah I I in um high school uh I had a friend who was actually uh an arcade technician and he they expanded and he needed help and I was like well I don't really know you know anything about working on games and he said oh it's fine I'll teach you and so uh, uh he showed me the ropes and then uh after high school uh, I took a couple years of college and I really kind of missed you know working with my hands and So I I decided to go to trade school for electronics and to get back into um, not necessarily pinball repair, but just, you know, any kind of work on my hands with electronics or, uh, you know, any kind of troubleshooting. I, I really enjoyed that. And I did that through pretty much my late teens, early 20s. I'm curious,
0: did you have a defined goal or major when you were in college or were you trying to figure out life? No,
2: yeah, I was trying to figure out life, you know, I was, I I mean, I wasn't bad at school, but I I didn't really have the most fun. Um, My mind's always wandering everywhere. And um, I always, that's one thing I was able to focus on was um, uh, electronic technician work that I was doing at my job. And for whatever reason, I just really enjoyed it. And so, yeah, I decided to go to school for that. And um, of course, at the time, it didn't really, after I was done with school, it didn't really pay the bills because it it's not like it is now where they're so hard to find that you can actually make a decent living it you know back then all these guys that you know they used to work you know electromechanical era were still you know active and there were plenty of people not that many jobs so uh, I took a job at an electronics firm for four or five years and then after that I got back into it uh, after things had changed everyone had retired and uh, it was a could have much more of a living. <laughs>
0: so when you left your job in electronics is that when you went to work for someone else's arcade or is that when you had the epiphany and said I could do this
2: no I went to I worked for uh, an operator a very large operator in San Diego called area amusements Um, and the great thing about that is you know I knew circuit boards you know I could troubleshoot down to component level and all that but the thing I did not know is any kind of electric ultra mechanical um repair at all and i was intimidated and my boss mark at the time he's like no no if i can do it you can do it it's super easy and i was like oh okay yeah whatever you say and then um sure enough you know he just threw me into the fire and started bringing these games in here you know just fix it here's a schematic you can figure it out and you know once you actually just like look at the schematics like oh yeah this is kind of simple and uh, I did that for years. I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, really enjoyed restoring uh, not only pinball, but, like, gun games. And uh, we also had, like, all kinds of novelty, you know, stuff that would come through, like racetracks, uh, old slot machines. And it was a really fun job. I really enjoyed it. So you got to work on a lot of amusement type of games besides just pinballs? Yeah, pretty much any, any electromechanical game from, you know, 60s on up, uh, I would work on like the the helicopter games, the driving games, you know, all those things. I, I forgot about the helicopter game. I put so many quarters in that game. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know that big lunar lander game that I think Bally made, that gigantic spinning moon. Yeah, we we worked on so many cool things. Uh, that was a great part of that job. Uh, it's, I mean, <laughs> once you learn to work on uh, electromechanical everything you know everything else just seems so easy compared to that
1: do you remember a game <laughs> it's, I was going to say the game there's a, there's a driving game that had like a little record thing spinning disc thing and it would you make when you crash the whole it would zoom in and zoom out I think it was what it's called it was an electro, electromechanical game as well like that but before before the video game stuff it was um, it was almost like a projection situation does that yeah. sound familiar at all or you never
2: I mean, there were so many
0: of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You're recreating my uh, my childhood, Keith. Uh, the place that I played in had a lot of those types of amusement games in it down at the Jersey Shore, and I'm more of the age of your brother. So that's my recall of my youth, and Dave and I have talked about it in other, uh, in, in other podcasts, but th- that's great. I was always wondering how you made it from – your youth to actually being a tech, and that kind of filled in all the gaps.
2: Yeah, I just kind of fell into it, and it turned out I really enjoyed it. And uh, like I said, if it paid better, I, I would have stuck with it, you know, earlier in my life. But um, you know, after, after uh, you know, after all this guys started retiring in the you know early '90s, mid '90s, that's when uh, uh, they actually started seeking me to to work for them. So that was cool.
0: So when did you make the transition to your own business?
2: So I, I would collect pinball machines, you know, we, you know, as an uh, operator that I worked for, the games would to their, their earning life. And this is before, you know, the market exploded and I was like, oh, you know, I really like that, you know, whitewater, I'll give you a thousand bucks for it. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. Take it, you know? And it was like that for a long time. But then pretty soon I found that I had like all these games and uh, a friend of mine had a bar in San Diego. He was trying to operate games himself and he's like, dude, I'm getting overwhelmed here. Can, can we split these? (laughs) He's like, I'll let you operate two games in here. If you take care of my three games, Mm. I was like, yeah, sure. So it just kind of started off as a hobby. And then, um, him and his wife got divorced, and she got the bar, and she so she kicked all his games out, and just contacted me. He's said, like, "Hey, bring all your stuff down." And uh, so I had one location for a long time. Uh, it did really well, and it basically it was like, "Yeah, this is cool, but I'm not going to quit my job or anything for this." You know, it was just kind of pocket money. Um, and you know, I was happy with that. Everything was fine, and then um, this bar in LA opened up called 82 and they were like dude we need tons of games and um I was like all right I can help with that and but I was a little unsure because I was all the way up in LA um I was like oh all right you know I'll I'll just you know put all my newest games up there and we'll we'll see how they do and it ended up being bonkers and I didn't have time to work full-time uh restoring games anymore so I kind of mostly quit that. I'd still work for them one or two days a week. Uh, even, you know, up until, uh, I went to Stern, I was still working one or two days a week for this, uh, operator for every Amusements just cause I enjoyed the job. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was my transition from, uh, doing tech work to being an operator.
1: So you, you were kind of the, uh, the, the race car driver and the race car mechanic, so to speak with the pinball yeah. yeah
2: yeah i mean i only had two locations but they both did so well that um i, it was, I was doing great
0: now was one of those the one you mentioned in another podcast where you had the uh uh sea witch game was that one yeah, of the that, bars?
2: yeah that was the high dive That was my first location that's um, the name of the bar the high dive yeah um, great name i used to I used to keep all, you know, kind of like the newest games. And I remember when um, uh, X-Men came out, I put the uh, X-Men Ali down there. Uh, yeah, Game of Thrones, when it came out, I put that down there, but I always had one spot where I had a classic machine. So I remember having a, a Royal Flush, a Meteor, a Sea Witch, um, Mousing around. But man, that Sea Witch just killed. The employees loved it. And they, would all, play, they would all play the Sea Witch. Yeah, they would all play the Sea They wouldn't play any of the newer games. So I was like, hmm, this is actually interesting. And, you know, because the older games, you know, once you go through them and get everything, you know, dialed in, they're fairly reliable. So right. I started experimenting with, you know, bringing older and older games to uh, 82 in LA. And um, they didn't do as well, though. You know, people you know, love them. Oh, I love that I can play this. But uh yeah, they just didn't get the return of investment for the bar that they wanted. So I pretty much had to stick with newer games. But
1: well, probably for the, the right title, like in Sea Witch, if you hit it right, then it, it's great. Then they, they'll fill the cash box, right? That kind yeah. of
2: thing? Yeah. You would think that the casuals would yeah gravitate towards that kind of thing, but it was kind of the opposite. They're like, ooh, Iron Man. And you know, they start dumping quarters into that. And, okay. Uh, I think it was most that the traffic through there was mostly uh, you
3: know
2: Oh there's a there's a license I love. Let's play this.
0: Yeah, I, I uh I know I sent it to you in one of the emails that Dave is a uh a repair person for the pinball world here uh in the East Coast and like you said, few and far between, especially with the skill set that he has. Uh Dave, I'll let you jump in and, and talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So Keith, so it's interesting what you were going through within uh your early life and and your path through. And it's like, yep, I, I'm I was checking the same box. Like we were kind of like parallel a little bit because uh I did a little bit of college, didn't really didn't really wasn't my thing, and did I did some tech school. Um, uh, and that's when I got into electronics, and that's when another I would go down to junkyard and pick my old toaster and old Phone and try to get them to work. Take them apart. Make things work. So very electromechanically inclined, and then so that's in, in common there. And then you said you had a friend that said, "Hey, come on over. You can you can learn this stuff and fix this stuff." And I had a friend as well. Um, the same kind of thing. Because I was trying to find old school pinball machines to play. By that time, I think in the nineties, they weren't really around. They had like the newer nineties games, which I wasn't really into. I wanted the old school still. And I uh, said, Oh, come to my house. And I, and I came to his house and he said, what, how do you get these things? What do you say? Oh, I'll show you all about it. You know, just kind of like you did, you know? So I learned, learned that. And then, um, in the mid, mid nineties, it started my business restoration business, Dr. D's Pimmel restorations and got about 70 Pimmel machines, including that blackjack you saw. And, um, you know, mostly, uh, classic Bally Sterns some Williams, and I even have some, uh, some nineties stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, as you know, it's like potato chips. You just uh, you can't just have That's one, awesome. you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. so the guy that got me into it, uh, Dave, he used to uh, uh, work at the bowling alley, at an arcade at the bowling alley. And I would be there because I worked just down the street. So, you know, I'd be there at lunch. I'd be there after work. He'd just see me there playing pinball all the time. And I'd constantly complain to him, you know, hey, this is broken, this doesn't work. And finally got to the point, he's like, you know what? Why don't I teach you, at, you know? here's like here's the, here's the
1: keys and here's the tools <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> basically he's like because, you know he liked pinball but he wasn't like super into it and right. so i would like nit- nitpick things hey this target doesn't work I can't do multi-ball he would be like yeah finally he just got to you this you should do this for a living because you you find stuff that's wrong more than i can because i don't know what, what it was supposed to do and yeah that's how it started
1: cool and you had you had more of a um you played Pinball so much, you actually knew how the game was supposed to play, and he was more casual guy, just operator. He didn't really know the nuances like you did, right? Is that, yeah, that yeah. Kind of
2: he, he would spend his entire lunch by play playing T2 and, uh, right. you know, simpler games, where I was playing uh, Whirlwind, Taxi, and, you know, some of the games that had a little more to them.
3: Okay. Interesting.
0: I, I have a question about ops. I uh, bought some some items from a gentleman out in California uh, 20 years ago. And he told me the story of the bulldozer at the, uh, the weight the, uh, the dump. Did you ever with, you know, your travels and travails ever have to dispose of pinballs or was your op smart enough to sell them?
2: Um, there were definitely said so one of the things that would happen would, Somebody would drive up with a game that's been in their barn for 30 years, and it's full of rats and you know, termites. Oh. And they're like, "Hey, <laughs> how about give us 50 bucks for this?" And we're like, uh, "How about we not?" And then they would just <laughs> leave it. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah i've I've disposed of a Spectrum once. I remember because uh, it was just it was so bad. Um, but I kept the backlash, which was actually the only thing in decent shape. Um, yeah, I mean, not too often, but there were a couple. Usually, if the game had termites, we wouldn't bring it in, obviously. Uh, so those would be those are usually the ones that we trashed. So that, but besides the Spectrum, there was there are no great like. Oh my god! I can't believe you trashed, uh, you know, Quicksilver or whatever. You know, nothing like that.
0: Yeah, this was like a regular, I guess the op just didn't want games to go to homeowners or to other people. So when the life expectancy was gone, they took it to the dump and disposed of it. I, I always thought that was crazy, but the one that I went to regularly,
1: the one that I went to, the funny games where I cut my teeth on, and I was basically these guys would have a, they'd get all the brand new games from Stern and, and they'd be like the, the, the uh, test location. And they'd have the games brand new, brand new C, which brand new Quicksilver, so much so that the guy would say after about five months or whatever, it'd say, okay, Stern would say, okay, you want to wanna buy that game now? Well, I'm not going to pay retail. The game's used. Well, you used it. Well, I don't care. It's not <laughs> new anymore, you know? But he would actually take these games after a couple of years and they weren't making money. He wouldn't sell them to his comp. He wouldn't get competition. He didn't want it. So he actually take them out back and take a sledgehammer and freaking trash them up and bust them up and throw them in the dumpster. It was sad, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, isn't that crazy to think that now every single pinball machine made, uh, unless it's gets burned in a fire or whatever, it's gonna be here for you know, forever. <laughs> you know, people just don't do that to their games anymore.
1: That's true, because nowadays the games last and not trashing them, but back in that time frame. So the, the older school games, they're they're uh uh what's it called when things as time goes on, there's less and less of them, and even more so with the uh the older games because they got like I said, they got trashed. They didn't know what they yeah. were. They're overbuilt for what they were. They would last forever if you treat them right.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you know, so you get some of these cool games in here with old operator stickers or high scores scratched in them. And I always leave those because I think it's cool.
1: Yeah, patina, it's called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Yeah. That's I'd cool. like
0: to take things in a, a little bit different direction if I could. When did you get started playing competitive pinball? And I want to, I guess, state that I don't remember, I got into the hobby 20 some odd years ago. They were few and far between. And obviously we didn't have you know the internet like it is today. We didn't have cell phones, so it's a lot easier. And we'll, we'll talk about gameplay in a little bit. I heard one of your comments. Um, what do you think? Yeah, uh, you know, when did you get started, and were they, you know, on a regular basis out in California?
2: Um, yeah, you, the tournaments were few and far between. I my first tournament was in 1993 in Arizona. Um, it was actually a friend of mine that I worked with at the arcade who he would actually go to this show just you know not to compete but just to you know buy and sell stuff. He's like, oh, you know, you should go to the show. They have a tournament, and it's like oh yeah, huh? and you know, I was like, that's cool, I, I didn't you know, really think that much about it, and then um, like the following year, it was the same thing, he was like, hey, you should go, go play in the tournament, and I was like, you know what, yeah, why not, you know, because I didn't know how good I was compared to anyone else, I just like, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm the king of the arcade here, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, so yeah, so in 93, uh, my friend and I uh, went out there, and it was like you know it was 118 degrees or whatever in whoa yeah we didn't have air conditioning and it was like the most miserable trip i've ever been on but the you know the tournament itself was it was actually kind of fun and then that's what kind of triggered uh that whole process
0: anybody from that time frame that
2: you met that you still know (laughs) yeah <laughs> so also uh it was jim belcito and neil shatz i knew his name well. was gonna come up yeah it's all the three of us all went to our first tournament together not knowing you know hey we're gonna be doing this a very long time
1: what year was that approximately 93 93
2: okay wow yeah, right that's really going back yeah yeah twilight zone had just come out
1: wow and, and tournaments back then it wasn't really much of a uh more of a bolton board more of a uh a poster inside an arcade is a tournament going on that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah. you play just the one game high score wins the tournament. It's not like it is now where it's, this complex, you know, multi-stage right. process.
1: Okay. Interesting.
2: When, I, when did that change? Um, I would say the early two thousands, you know, like the pinball expo and this other tournament were basically, yeah, here's five bucks, put a score on, uh, and then, you know, I think what it was top 12, top eight or whatever that they had to have like head to head one game, you know, sudden death, kind of a final quick two hour final. And then it, it really changed, especially when the IPA came around. All the tournament finals became really long and, you know, day long process.
1: Did you, uh, did you hit pin fantasy in Vegas in 98 in those late nineties? Did you ever hit that?
2: Yeah, the one with Slash was there. Yeah, I was there.
1: Okay, I know what the, I know what Slash. I, I remember because uh, uh, Tim Arnold was running it, right? And this is the one where he had six Captain a bank of six Captain Fantastics for the tournament.
2: Yeah, I remember. I don't remember which is which. I remember I went to all three of those. Okay. Um, yeah, I remember they had a bank. Yeah, and there's I think maybe eight ball deluxe one year.
1: Probably. Yeah, that sounds right.
2: Yeah.
1: I remember in um, in C, I went to, went to California Stream in two thousand four, and there was a no hold and poker pinball tournament that you were a part of. Now I didn't know who you were and what you were, but I was up with you on Black Knight, and I went. I played, you played a ball and didn't do that well, and I played a ball and and, and kicked butt. And I said, then I went all in. And you looked at me. And you said, you have no idea who I am, do you? It's like, no. Who are you? I said, you're about to find out. <laughs>
2: I said
1: that. Yeah, you did.
2: <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Well, you kind of, you kind of, like, come you, on. You,
1: you looked, you looked at me. It's like, like really, like you were shocked that I was going <laughs> because I think because you were already established as a really good player, but I didn't really know who was what. I I knew uh, Neil Schatz was there. Um, Keith uh, not, uh, Bowen. Bowen Kearns was there. Eric Stone was there um but I didn't really I didn't really know you at the time and but I found out real quick so oh,
2: that's funny I, I can't believe I said that
3: <laughs>
1: makes for a good story I uh
0: <laughs> I I saw you but dared not approach you at 2020 in disc you were you were really into it and I'm like oh there's Keith Elwin and You played well, but uh, I believe the winners of the Classics, which I was there for, uh, was uh, Kaylee George and Eric Stone, if I recall correctly. Do you remember uh, that Uh, in-disc?
2: Was that the final one at the old venue? Uh, Yes, it was. Uh, Yeah, Begley. I remember that Classics tournament. I remember playing, I think it was a Grand Prix or something. Yeah, I think that was in the box. The one that I remember. They have multiple Classics tournaments, so they all kind
0: of blend together. Right. Well, I kind of figured that with you. Uh, You're not playing as often as you once did. And uh, it's funny. I went out and looked real quick and saw all the uh, tournaments that you had won in the early and mid-2010s. And then all of a sudden, around 2016, Things came to a halt. Something happened then, didn't it?
2: 2016?
0: Yeah. Uh, didn't you get a job? Your present employer? No? Oh, oh
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they have nothing to do with my... Uh, my uh, no? That. that had mostly to do with uh, Papa going away. Papa and Pemberg.
1: Oh, yeah, it's true. Yep it's like okay, I, th- I thought you
2: might have
0: was... been a little busy that's all
2: so no uh, no 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 actually you know george is like yeah no go go to tournaments like obviously raymond goes to everything still so uh it was it was my decision it just uh i enjoyed those two tournaments so much and when they went away it, it just i don't know part of me died
3: mm.
0: well i heard you're going uh overseas for a tournament next month right
2: yeah, yeah, I do. I do love the uh, IFPA tournaments. It's a fun format. um Yeah, I mean, I still compete. I still go to disc I still go to IFPA. Um, once in a while, I hit up a District 82 now and then. And uh yeah. yeah Problem you know- is, you know, I don't know role sets anymore. I don't play anymore. <laughs> Everyone thinks that they ask me these questions on these new Stern games. It's like, dude, I, I don't go in the office. I don't know. I haven't played that game. Oh really? But but you live in the Chicago area, right? Yeah, I do. Um, And I'm not giving excuses, but it's just, yeah, my days of like trying to learn rule sets I think are at an end. (laughs) I I know so many. There's no more room for new ones.
1: Yeah, and you were saying basically, I was listening to another podcast, and you were saying that uh, a lot of of the kids these days have a way better advantage. They can go to YouTube thing and look at the, the rule sets, and they can just bang, come up to speed so quick. Versus what we had to do years ago and just kind of, you know, go through it yourself kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was like competing at my highest, um, it'd be very rare to like a lot of these tournaments. you didn't know the rules you even going in on the game because it would be a brand new game. It's like, all right, here's an independence day. Good luck learning the rules on the fly. You know? And you know, it, all it takes is one person, hey, look, I can just do this all day. And everyone just copies that strategy. And that's kind of how it was back in the day. But I think now uh, with modern rule sets and like you said, YouTube and all these really good uh, players coming up, they, they, you see all kinds of different strategies now, which is actually pretty cool.
1: Yeah, people can actually copy off each other and kind of take the bet. Oh, I'm gonna use that on my thing. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna put that in my toolbox. You know, they can kind yeah. of yeah from yeah. each other. What are your what are your favorite classic pinballs, EM and Solid State pre-1985? What would you say like your 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 favorite classic ballies that you like?
2: I'm glad you said ballet's plural. Um okay, I'll start 1985. Beat the clock. I have one of those. Love it uh flash gordon frontier valley 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 oh i'm not hearing the game that i wanted to hear oh, that'd be uh, skate i know i'm getting the I'm whole getting there. premise of this call keith i know i'm getting there that's uh... <laughs> how about skateball yes skateball um uh, eight skate ball deluxe um and before skateball probably not too much I, I was never really into the six digit valleys but yeah go ahead
0: I loved your comment. I own one. I'm a skier. Hot dogging. Hot dogging.
1: <laughs> I remember your comment. With a dumb third I flipper. I like
2: the game. But it's, it's a oh, dumb so so, a third flipper. a so separate flipper, yes. <laughs> uh, actually, I really like 8-Ball Champ, but I have a special ROM in mind, so you actually have to play the game. Uh, Ooh, special yes, ROM. I,
1: I, I got to hear about that on the download later. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. Uh but yeah, skateball was um was just this place called Steve's Arcade by my house. They had a, uh, a Flash Gordon skateball, um eight ball deluxe. And yeah, I would play that skateball all day. And I mean I love the way that thing shot. Uh and when uh I was old enough and I can afford a game, I was looking to buy games and uh I, I saw a really nice one, but it was in Canada. So uh, I had to pay a little extra to get it here, but I still have it to this day. I've had it probably twenty you know, something years. How about That's funny that?
0: You say Canada because my first skateball came from Calgary through Montreal, and I sold that game to my buddy in New Jersey, and I ended up buying another game. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's the cool thing now is I work with Greg Ferris, who did all these. You know, art packages back in the early eighties, and so I'll I'll pick his brains like, what were you doing here? You know, what were you thinking here? And you know, like, especially on Frontier, I was like, why is this guy uh, bare chested with a knife fighting a grizzly bear? He's like, dude, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I had uh, I had two Frontiers back in the day, and I liked them back when I was a kid playing them, but they didn't grab me as much when I when I had them here. I think it's the uh, the crickets just got to me.
2: yeah so i I didn't i didn't play nearly as many uh, classic sterns at the time which is a great thing because then when i got older uh i would start going to show and start playing some of these classic sterns i'd never seen before oh really okay yeah like i had had not played a quicksilver until i was probably like 40 years old wow awesome i want one so i bought one um same with sea witch i never saw sea witch on location when i was a kid bought one of those uh, I have a lightning that I bought that I'd never seen. Uh, I mean, it's not the greatest game, but you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I used to, you know, meteor and galaxy were like two stern games that were all over town and yeah,
1: they're much, everywhere. Yeah.
2: Aside from those, once in a while, you see a flight 2000, but aside from those games, uh, I never saw any classic sterns. around.
1: I, I get a pretty big classic stern collection. Um, and I, I love my stargazer. You have any time on that?
2: Oh, stargazer. Yeah, I love stargazer. Uh, Big
1: game
2: I love. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm trying to think of all the classic Sterns
1: I have. Ali?
2: Uh, I like Ali. I've never owned one. Again, in another uh,
0: podcast, you talked about uh, a shot in your most recent game, uh, Bond 60. That rope dope shot?
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's what it started off as, yeah. Um, so you know, Stern actually wanted me to do a take on Galaxy uh for the oh. bond 60th interesting and yeah you know i'm like looking at this this play field and i was like this skill shot takes up a third of the play field and it's not even interesting mm. so i quickly just trashed that idea it's like you know i'm just gonna make my own game um and yeah the rope-a-dope and both you know cheetah and uh ali had that same kind of rope dope spinner shot and i was like this is you know i want to do this and then i kind of like well you know if i have it curve just a little bit more i can have it come back down the left side kind of like you know ali does where you can hit those drops on the side and just kind of ball from there
1: hmm. and uh nine ball too had that same kind of uh horseshoe thing as well
2: oh uh, yeah yeah uh, i have a nine ball
1: too yeah. Yeah. that's a great game
2: yeah oh i love the spinners
1: yeah oh, and i think yeah i love all the spinners you're doing on the bond 60 it remind me of again of the classic stern stuff like the uh Again, Stargazer, that is a crap load of spinners, and, um, big game as well. Cheetah. Yeah, those. I
2: mean, you put spinners and drop targets all over the place, you're going to have a good time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well well done.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, How about for, for Classic Williams? Do you have any, like the old school, you know, uh, late 70s, early 80s stuff? Anything come to mind for that?
2: Uh, I really liked uh, Time Warp with normal flippers. Yeah. Um, I used to play a lot of Tri-Zone.
1: That's a uh, fun game. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Firepower. I hated Gorgar. I just didn't like that game ever. You
1: wouldn't believe really, how many people come to me and say, can you restore my Gorgar? I'm on like Gorgar number eight right now. restoration. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Crazy.
2: I, never got into that game as a kid. I hated it. I um, yep.
1: used
2: to play a lot of Black Knight, Jungle Lord. Um,
1: Firepower, you said?
2: Firepower 2. Also, yeah, fire, both firepowers.
1: How about Alien Poker?
2: oh yeah i loved alien poker i loved uh sorcerer uh comet space shuttle uh i liked all those games I get to like i said pretty much uh everything but gorgar i was into how
1: about uh black uh blackout
2: yes yes blackout i used to own a warlock which is pretty much the same game Mm. um but yeah loved uh blackout just because it talked you know i didn't think it was a super great game, but, you know, just black out, you know. All right,
1: yeah. <laughs> Condition, red. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, all those uh, Williams talking games were great.
1: Cool, and uh, how about for uh, for classic Gottlieb games, Is there anything from there from the late 70s, early, early 80s?
2: Uh, I used to play a lot of uh, Amazing Spider-Man. I used to play a lot of Genie. Um, there weren't that many Gottlieb games on location, uh, surprisingly, there are more Atari games uh, on location out right here than there were Gottlieb.
1: Got classic Gottlieb stuff. So things like uh, Pinball Pool, Joker Poker, any of those you played back no. in the
2: day? No, not at all.
1: Wow, really? Okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, like I said, Genie, Spider-Man, tons of Valley uh, E.M.s, William E.M.s, but very, very few Gottlieb's.
1: So out in California, basically it was mostly Bally stuff out there. Bally and Williams, and a little bit of Stern.
2: Bally Williams, a little bit of Stern, uh, a lot of Atari. Um,
1: oh yeah, Atari. That's where I wanted to go. Atari. Um, you know, a lot of stinkeroos for Atari, unfortunately. But <laughs> but uh, Superman was a fantastic game. Superman was
2: few- great. Yeah. I remember I shopped one of those, and that thing had like ninety star posts, and I was like, oh my god, this it's crazy how many star posts are in that game
1: oh uh, speak, speaking of superman i'm going to show you something hold on a second here. so i got i got two of these oh nice so i um i have a friend of mine who does restoration on play fields, and he i took these out of two games and he uh airbrush touched up clear coated the so they're like new old stock superman uh play fields. i have two games I'm gonna, I'm gonna make out of these but they come, they come out real nice i think it was california extreme that one guy brought one year all those atari pins uh neutron star roadrunner
2: roadrunner four by four
1: yeah did you get to play yep. any of that stuff um
2: uh obviously none of the rare stuff but uh superman uh, that awful game middle earth um,
1: yeah <laughs> yeah you yeah. yep. um
2: uh, what's the one the, the time fantasy was that it time fantasy
1: yep yeah, that's another one or time, yeah. was time, time 2000 was a time 2000 yeah there you go yeah
2: they, they no at the arcade uh the big one the family fun center had like a row of atari games um i i hated them but you know i was a kid so if i saw a credit on i would play them but uh superman was the only one i would actually put a token in
1: because that's the only game um uh steve richie did that one <laughs> And he's yeah. the only one that's, I guess, said, you know what, I'm going to design this game. I'm going to put flippers where they're supposed to be, right next to each other, where not this offset <laughs> stuff you guys kept doing. Yeah.
2: It's like it's like when you have an, an engineer design a play field, they're like, yeah, people will love this. He's like, no. I think Steve was like, no, people don't love this. <laughs> right, people
1: don't. Yeah, they don't love this. No, they hate this. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was. And I, I actually did play, uh, Neutron Star was their only um regular size pin they made they only made one of a prototype but that's actually a nice playing game it was it had no artwork on it you know it was a white wood um and just black plastics or whatever but if they ever came up with that game that would have been a good good game to play a- along with also Road uh, roadrunner they only made two of those that was a lot of fun because they had just you know roadrunner go beep beep when you go around a big long shot a big loop shot it would do that um so California Stream had this big bank and I forget the collector who brought them all. I think he used to work for Atari, but he brought a, he made like a big horseshoe of all these Atari games and he had all of them. So in that one section, you got to play the whole history of Atari. But that was like a one-shot deal. I've never seen that happen again anywhere. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, I remember that. And then they had, the I think, maybe it was Pinnagogo where they had, um, they had like a row of like seven or eight spirits lined up, which is amazing to see.
1: Oh yeah, another rare game. Yeah, that's a fun game too.
2: Right, I'm looking at Neutron Star. That does look interesting. It looks like a uh, little bit of Dragon Fist in there.
1: Yeah, you. Yep. Yeah, Dragon Fist meets uh, stars. There you go. Oh, Stars. How, how what do you think of Stars? That's what I Oh, hello,
2: Stars. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like I like turning Stars um those specials into 100,000 <laughs> points. You know, so you nail those things, you know, you, you get the uh, you get the points on it, which was great.
2: The best thing that ever happened to Stars was their soundboard wasn't ready yet because, man.
1: Oh, um, yeah, oh yeah, please.
2: Trident Nugent. Oh, my God. Those sounds are so bad. It's it,
1: like, it's a 1980s cash register. Beep, beep, beep,
2: beep, boop, beep. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, if Stars came out with that, I, I don't think I'd ever have played it
1: yeah it, it's it, that was a great game and the great game right time right right uh you know chime box especially the chime box of Stern, as you know had the the wooden chime box it almost had a more melodic xylophone kind of feel to it than other chime boxes
2: and, yeah yeah Now steve kirk was the master
1: yeah and i uh it's, it's somebody. I have all these games, but not a lot of room to set them up, Set them up. I do have all of Steve Kirk's the three games he did. I think he only did three for Stern, as far as I know. Um, he did Stars, Meteor, and Nine Ball. Uh, yeah. It'd be great to have he'll, all three of those together.
2: He'll take credit for Flight Two Thousand, but yeah.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, did he take? Is he is he part of that Flight Two Thousand?
2: Uh, he said he designed it.
1: Because Harry Williams did it, right? Supposedly.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I, I remember. Uh, reading somewhere, Steve said that's my design. They just made it a wide body.
1: Oh, uh, oh yeah, because that's what a uh, gamatron.
2: Gamatron came from yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Gary Gary Stern told me that story, so it's <laughs> like okay. Oh, okay,
1: okay. Well, yeah, uh, now you know the rest of the story. That's a good one. I like that. That's so cool. I never really played. I've seen a gamatron. I never played one. Have you played one of those?
2: I have. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's flight two thousand narrow body. It's. I think it has a single pop bumper and. um I really like Flight 2000, so I'm not gonna uh, say it's better or worse. But um, have
1: you played the new rule set? Uh, you know, well, which is a enhanced rule set of Flight 2000.
2: No, is this stop stealing locks or something?
1: Um, no, this guy he's out of Pennsylvania, and he he does some um he does some really cool uh ROM enhancements. He did d- he takes apart the code, uh, can add things in. Basically, it's like if the designers had more time to make a game better that's kind of where his where his head's at so he's done some really nice enhancements on flight 2000 um that it, I, I can always share with you sometime and, and send you uh send you the file if you want if you ever if you go a flight 2000 you want to try it out but
2: actually i sold my flight 2000 with a one-of-a-kind rom actually where uh i think bonus went to nineteen thousand instead of 10
1: yeah so this one does too yep this one does the same thing actually i think it even goes higher it might go to 29
2: no, I, wonder, I wonder if it's the same guy. He just built off what he sent me a long time ago.
1: Could be. It could be the same guy. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's the only guy I know that does it because he's okay. He's,
2: uh, yeah. That's the same guy. Then. Yeah. Because okay. I remember I was complaining. He's like, this bonus is worthless. He's like, here, try this. Okay. Uh, so,
1: yeah, same guy. So he, he's done even more on that now. He's done a a, a crap. It's it's on pin side. He puts it on pin side too. So you can actually find all this stuff there. Yeah. Uh, I
2: remember I had to do some weird ROM hack conversion because it wouldn't fit on a standard. Uh, where it was 32k EPROM.
1: Right. But nowadays, Well, I think he did it. He actually found more, uh, more spot in the ROM where you actually could, he robbed some other stuff and made it all fit. But nowadays with the Weebly board, you actually can take a 512k, um, ROM and throw it all in there and just throw it in the, in the Weebly board and boom, you can do whatever you want, um, with that board. Yeah. yeah. Make-
2: cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's, do- he's done some great stuff.
1: I like a lot of his stuff I do with, um, so I do I do tournaments. I had a, I ran a classic pinball league for five years, just all classic games. I had like six different locations of houses, and had a lot of good time with that. But part of it was I wanted to have him do some special roms in the ballys for me because ballys, uh, you can't separate the the special and the extra ball. You can't make a special work worth fifty thousand points, let's say, an extra ball with an extra ball. It's one or the other. Either everything's worth a novelty. Everything's worth an extra ball, or everything's worth you know that kind of thing. So. I had them separate on the ballet stuff. So now when tournaments you would get points for specials and you'd still get your extra ball. If we were playing extra balls, you know, oh,
2: nice. Yeah. That is a nine. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. But, and, but Stern knew back then to separate them. Stern always separate them. I think every, every other company separate them and ballet did not at least for yeah. a certain range though. But yeah.
2: At least I how these sounds would default to, uh, chimes that the battery died
1: yeah exactly I, I go to so, so many people that will, will bring me their game and it's like they've played it forever like that and I go and i i turn on those you know the O threes on 16 17 18 on the software and they go Wow, I never knew the game could do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, because unfortunately, like some of these games got operated a long time. The operator didn't even know that the battery died, they never replaced it. So yeah, you're after playing a uh, Frontier with bum 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 bum. Yeah,
1: it's like oh and you know why, and you obviously know why they did that, because back when they were, you know, doing this uh you know, going from chimes and going to real sounds and that kind of thing, they didn't want to lose their audience, so they wanted to keep a chime function in there so people would still not be afraid of. You know, embracing the future kind of thing. And yeah, I just trying, don't know
2: why it defaulted to. It.
1: <laughs> yeah, why did it default that way? Yeah, well, I guess they are I think they were gun shy. I think the management of these companies must have been. Well, let's just play it safe, and you know, I'm thinking. Yeah. That, you know, but uh, so so you don't really operate anymore. You're all done with that. You're, you are you got Stern full time now, right? Or do you do any kind of? This is uh, correct. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Now, do you miss operating the games? Um. No.
2: No. I miss working on them. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: no. Yeah. Working working on games on location with people around you is not fun. Um, oh. You know, working on them in the garage or whatever, restoring them, that is fun.
1: When you, when you uh, so you actually still work on your own games, that kind of thing, from time to time, or
2: no, not really.
1: No
2: um, I don't have. Uh, since I moved to Chicago, I don't have a garage space. So, um, I and I, I have all. Like I have a Flash Gordon, a Frontier, and then the rest are all new Sterns in my my little game room. So I don't really do that much work. Okay. Uh, but I do miss it. I do plan on get some shop space here sooner or later so I can set up all my games in storage and also start, you know, getting back to doing restorations because it, yeah, it's, it's fun. I enjoy it.
1: It's fun. It's a, I, I do it like 24-7 and it's like I'm I'm afraid of getting burnt out, but I'm not getting burnt out yet. But it's like uh, I, I feel like I got to... I, I got to do something else and uh, take a walk or something, yeah. you know. When I
2: was, I was 16 years old, I saw an ad in a newspaper for this guy selling a Xenon for like a hundred bucks. I was like,
3: mm.
2: oh, my God. Yeah. So I had my uh, my brother drive me and I get there and the guy's like, oh, yeah, he had a storage unit. It was like a two-story storage unit with power. And he had all these pinballs. It was crazy. And uh, so I was like, OK, yeah, I'll buy this game it worked and and as i was, we were loading up in the truck he's like oh by the way you can have this and he handed me this nos xenon playfield um, oh wow <laughs>
1: wow yes please <laughs> yeah it's <And> so
2: <laughs> i was like oh, okay cool and then i mean it was play worn; it wasn't terrible but it was pretty worn. and then i was like hmm, i wonder if i should try to you know install this myself and uh yeah after i, I kind of got bored of the game a little bit i was like yeah i'm gonna go for it so yeah, here I was, 16 years old, doing a playfield swap, never, wow. never having done one and having no guidance because obviously there was nothing online or anything. I just yeah. like, looked at it. I mean, other than the ground braid kind of being a pain in the butt, uh, it, it went pretty smooth.
1: So, Noah, uh, so we put it together and turn it on and good to go, or you must have some gremlins.
2: Uh, I did have a gremlin. The ground braid was touching a coil lug. And so when I first turned it on, uh, 120 incandescent bulbs. It's uh, kind of flashed. Oh,
1: boom, big flash. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
2: but, but I immediately saw it because it kind of uh, arc welded itself together. So I fixed that and then uh, went to Mouser Electronics, bought a whole boatload of bulbs and uh, we we're good to go.
1: Cool. Very cool.
0: I have a question about one of the games that uh, you see in Dave's game room. Your thoughts on Fathom and have you had... Uh, the opportunity to play the remake?
2: Uh, I have not played the remake. I own a Fathom, Uh, I really like it. Um, I do wish, uh, when you play in a tournament, you're kind of just doing the same thing over and over. And I kind of wish there was a home run to make it. So you just can't, at least you would have to alternate locking balls rather than just keep shooting the one on the right. But um, other than that, I really like the game. Um, I'm not selling mine
0: yeah you and everyone else
2: and if they are <laughs> and if they are they're uh, five figures or more oh my god if you if you want to hear this story of um, I actually went there to, to work on it and the lady was like, you know what we don't even really want this and this was I don't know maybe 2003. It was somewhere early 2000s before fathom like values have like, exploded and it's like she's like, what would you give me for it and i was like uh, you know i don't want it um and then she's just she was persistent she's like um just make me an offer make me an offer and it was like uh i don't know 700 bucks she was like how about 800 800 you can have it and I, I was actually reluctant i was like all right fine you know just just so we stop bugging me i i, I picked it up, I threw it in my storage unit, and it sat there for like two years. And all of a sudden, boom, the value on the seems just exploded. And I was like, huh, well, I guess I made a pretty good deal.
1: Score, and then, yeah. And you uh, did very
0: well. I remember my buddy Jack buying one around that same time frame. And I remember him saying, wow, you know, a $1,000 for this Fathom, that's a lot of money. And then, like you <laughs> said, a couple of years later, you know, the numbers just went through the roof. Crazy.
1: Fathom, yeah. was, Fathom was one of my first games I actually got. The first game I got was uh, a Galaxy. I think I paid 70 bucks for that. And then my buddy of mine who got me into pinball, got me into fixing things. I think Fathom was the second one. And I paid 250 for that, working, but worn out play field. That was a score. That was in the early, 90, I think, eh, late 90s. And then I scored another Fathom for like 850 bucks. I got shipped from Oklahoma, um, late 90s. But I got a lot of good scores: Flash Gordons for three hundred bucks, Xenons for fifty bucks. Uh, the eight ball Lux you see right there—that was three hundred bucks. Wow! Uh, but of course, these are all I restored all these, so they weren't in this nice of shape. But they were, you know, pretty nice anyway. You know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, my Xenon for hundred bucks with NOS Playfield. Yeah, that's uh, a, I, picked yeah. Up my, I picked up my Frontier for three hundred bucks, and I picked up an NOS Playfield off eBay for like seventy-five bucks. It was crazy. Uh, you know, those are the days, man. You know, deals to be had, and I don't know why I've never come across 8-Ball Deluxe that I've never had one in my collection, and it, it's one of my favorite uh classic games.
1: Wow, really? And, and so, and they made th- so many different iterations of the game. I like the '81 the best back here. You know, yeah. they got the, they got the short head one, they got the one with the swing out the swing out door thing. But um I but, hate the
2: swing door so much.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't like it either. <laughs> Not a fan Not a fan of that Fall of Particle board either that the game's made out of from the mid-80s. Yeah.
2: yeah, my eight ball champ and my uh, beat the clock are just, it's, it's like, oh, God, I hate opening the back box. I feel like the back glass is going to explode in my hand. <clears throat> yeah, don't want to get those wet either.
1: And, and I have I have an eight ball champ too that I, I like as well. Um, the, the same guy, did he do that that software yeah. for you too?
2: Yes, yes, he made it so you can only collect 100,000 once. And then, so you're actually focused on, um, collecting pool balls over, um, just collecting that oh. case over and over.
1: Oh, I like that. Okay. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Any, any tweak you can do in a ROM like that, that'll make it. So you just can't rape the same shot over and over again. That's why on eight ball deluxe I have it turned on so that only, only get one extra ball per game on that, you know, so you don't yeah. just keep shooting that same shot in the left all the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah um I, th- I do feel there's a good balance in eight ball deluxe between shooting the left side all the time and then going for a collect bonus but yeah in a tournament if the uh, left side's set to uh i know there's some setting where it sets up you get to 70 every time or, or something like that i remember there yeah. was some
1: yeah you can mess around with it it might go 70 special 70 special back and forth like, there's a bunch of different things you can do with it the other ROM thing that was done by, uh, I think a guy was in Sweden or something. Um, I forget the guy's name. But I helped him develop was like a test site for him and different for different ROM ideas for these games. And 8 ball Deluxe was one of them for different sound cues and this kind of thing. Uh, we wanted to make it so that when you spell Deluxe in order, you get some big prize for that. So I said, how about 500,000 points? Because it's really <laughs> tough to spell it in order. Yeah, And I've only done it Maybe just a handful of times, but that's a nice little. Um, I don't know if you ever played one that had that on it, that ROM. No, um, no. And you can start the, you can start the deluxe anywhere you want. If you start the U, okay, now you're gonna keep going down after U. You know, go to L, and e, you know, and that kind of thing. You know, or how you spell it, deluxe, I'm gonna lose my mind. But uh, yeah, um, <laughs> <but>, uh,
2: <laughs> Barakora does drop targets.
1: Oh yeah, Barracora. I haven't played that in a long time. Yeah. On, on your on your flash gordon do you have your extra balls limited i have mine only you only get two the one on the right the one in the middle and that's it one per, you know so five so five balls maximum per game this is two extra balls per game on uh yeah
2: yeah that's the only way to have that uh right side extra ball
1: yeah otherwise you'll all day long you sit there and just it gets boring
2: yeah yeah and i wish <clears throat> i kind of wish skateball had the same thing with that um that right saucer because that, that game's just unplayable in tournaments because you just you know you knock down skate a couple of times and you just shoot that saucer all day long for uh, I think it was like fifty or a hundred k I don't remember
1: the, I don't remember either so there's no, there's no, no last night. there's no rom adjustment no no special home rom for that that someone figured mm. that out too
2: no no there isn't because <laughs> yeah that game's always showing up in tournaments and you know, the, the top players just do the same thing yeah. So, just complete skate once. Now shoot the right saucer. let to kick out to the bottom of the flipper. Repeat. And it's a shame because it's a, such a great game. But if you're if you're just strictly playing safe, that's that's how you play it in a tournament, and it's really not fun. And
1: there was there were some uh, guys out there doing this. Or you could just like flip your flipper back and forth on skateball and just keep getting the the cheapy points on the, uh, on the right <laughs> the <beam>. right in lane, right?
2: Well, you know, Kings of Steel, right?
1: It, oh, it, King's the right target, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. You turn scape onto that basically once that value gets up, and then that's all oh, you hit. Yeah, just like Kings of Steel, it's like, oh, this this is super fun. It's like I don't think there's a round fix for that either, which is crazy.
1: You know, what? some guy did a modification on that. I think he's from the North Shore over here. Um, he actually put a saucer kick uh, to kick out to the left, and he opened up the area so that it kicks out into the pop bumpers instead
2: oh yeah i think i've seen that yeah brilliant that's how it should have been
1: yeah it worked out pretty well so that's yeah. not a bad little hack on that. it was
2: like it was like a last second uh cost cut and i just left the rules i think it's because it, it didn't make any sense it's like why would you have this one target worth so much and nothing else
1: right right what were you gonna say george
0: i um you guys are doing great i have three questions but whenever you're done uh... Going through, it. it's interesting to listen to you guys go off on all these games. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well no, I mean you you both have high familiarity with it. I'm look, I, I don't have the depth of knowledge and I certainly don't have the brain capacity to remember everything. So you know I'm more of the facilitator than the uh, than the expert, but it's it's great to hear you guys going back and forth.
1: Good. And, and so, so Keith, have you, you have, a, you have much time on Superman? You, you own one or you play one a bunch before? Or?
2: I've never owned one, but uh, yeah, like I said, growing up that role of Atari, Superman was the only one I would play.
1: Yeah. And especially the Atari flipper mechs were just, you know, like a so- yeah. soggy, soggy wet noodle. And uh, yeah. what you can do now, you can put Williams flipper mechs in this thing. And it plays really well. It it it's not overpowered at all. It plays like a nice, strong Atari flipper. How it's supposed to. Be. It plays pretty correct, but it's it's um not wimpy.
2: Yeah, right? those were the worst flippers in the history. <laughs> yeah, they were.
1: Yeah, they were crap. Yeah, yeah. Williams flipper mech was, worked great in that game.
3: Yeah,
1: I, I have a question. Sure.
0: All right. Keith, what's your favorite shot? In classic pinball.
2: <clears throat> um in classic pinball. I mean I really really think it's locking a ball on mind ball. When that bank shot when you hit the spinner and the bank's right in there.
1: Yeah, I like that too.
2: That's that's definitely one of my favorites um and that's hard to beat i think you're gonna have to set your
0: game up again dave I know. okay even though,
2: okay, <laughs> even though it, it's not a shot um i was fascinated by this as a kid um valley knockout that little uh that center zigzag pattern where you know you had to shoot the ball in from the top and then watch the ball zigzag into the saucer uh, I was really fascinated by that, even though, you know, even though it was mostly uh, on the plunge, I thought that was super cool.
1: I'm, I'm looking it up right now here.
2: While you're looking, um,
0: this is going to be my, my last question. The The premise of this show, and, and I really do thank you for, for taking the time out to do this. I didn't think we'd go anywhere near this length, but the whole premise of this particular interview was going to be, is skateball your favorite classic valley game but i'm going to take it to the next level because of the games that you've spoken about during this show and other podcasts i'm going to give you four games you've identified them as all being you know games that you really like playing from valley i'd like you to tell me which one's your favorite okay frontier skateball Eight ball deluxe and flash Gordon. Flash
2: Gordon, I you could say that. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. Ah! Uh, those, those are all sentimental. And uh, if you're gonna ask me strictly on rules. Uh, yeah. I would have, you don't have I would to identify
0: have... it that way. It's just, you know.
1: Well so your, more like this... more like Desert Desert Island Pin. If you only can take one with you. It's mostly. Like okay, that.
0: that's better than using uh-huh. the other.
2: I, everyone who knows me take knows. something else. else I love that. Frontier. I love skateball. Skateball Deluxe is a great playing game. But I think the difficulty and the rule set of its time, uh, Flash Gordon would probably be the one I'd take.
1: Yeah. I, yep, I think the
2: words you used were brutal. Get brutal <laughs> i i have never <laughs> rolled a flash gordon and that's um that's saying something that's how hard that game is.
0: is is it something that if it's in a bank at a classics tournament would you pick that game
2: oh god no <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay i mean ironically i did pick it for the, the world championship final game but that's because i only had like two other picks available and they were were games i wanted to play so i thought it would be fun you know it's like here's a game where the world championship comes down on a game of Flash Gordon which everyone knows is like one of the most brutal games ever made
1: I, I remember playing it as a kid and putting quarter after quarter and it's like what am I doing I mean I play yeah. to play eight ball next door I, I'm losing at this game so th- that's why I didn't do that well in the arcade I think because you couldn't win it's, it's great in the collector you know community because it's a brutal game and keeps coming back for more but you know
2: yeah, and it had great audio. And, you know, one of the first talking game games, and it was just, it was, yeah, it was a whole awesome experience. But yeah, in an arcade, yeah, forget it. <laughs> I'd rather play. Certainly was a
0: moneymaker.
2: Yeah, sure. Took money. ball, to me, skateball was easy. Um, eight ball Deluxe was even easy compared to Flash Gordon, and that's definitely not an easy game. I have one last question, All right. and I'm done.
0: Would you like to have the opportunity to do another single-level game?
2: Yes, absolutely. I would like to make a more classic layout Mm. as opposed to what Bond 60th was.
0: Okay, I'll bite. I'm not sure.
1: So, Bond 60th. I I, I
0: completely understand that comment.
1: Yeah, because Bond 60th is a really nice throwback. Uh, But you're saying there was still too much newer stuff in the mix as well. You want to keep a little more pure classic, you're saying, you want to do, if you had the chance?
2: Yeah, uh, no LCD screen. Uh, I want to do a game much, you know, not based on flow and more like how a classic game would actually play. Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. Okay. Now I wonder, so this might be an experiment for Stern doing this. They're gonna say, okay, let's see how this thing is received to see how it goes. And maybe because over the years, so many people poo pooed the idea of going back to a, a classic games, like, Oh, that will never sell. That time is over. People want, you know, more and more rules, 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 and more ramps, 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 and lights. And, you know, just build, build, build. And there's been a voice back in, the, you know, saying, no, people might like, you know, a throwback. And, um, I'm just wondering if it looks like Stern's trying to experiment a little bit that and see how that goes. They've done it with sort of a little with the Beatles they did it with, and now your 60th one. And, um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, might see more of this kind of stuff then. Well,
2: I think what you're seeing is an effect of now more than ever, there are more barcades and, you know, arcade uh, adult arcades, as it were with, you know, you know, bars with pinballs or pinball themed bars uh, called Breweries. I, our last show,
0: I interviewed people from two different breweries down in Virginia. So, yeah. Yeah, so what
2: you're seeing is, hey, people really enjoy playing pinball on location, but they don't like waiting forever for their turn. Or, or you know, is it's...
3: Yeah. That, that, was, a good that point. was the
2: beauty. That was the beauty of these games back in the day. It's like, when you can play with your buddies. You can play a four-player game in, you know, under 10 minutes, and you guys would all have fun. Whereas... If you do that with a modern game, you know, 10 minutes, you're not even going to get through a couple modes in that, in that time span. So, uh, you know, it's definitely something we're aware of that, you know, there's such a thing as social pinball where it, you know, like that's the approach I took with, uh, bond 60th. Uh, I could have made it easy, but I wanted to make it just brutal. Uh, I wanted to make it so, you know, you and your buddies can play it and, you get, none of one's, no one's gonna wander out to play another game while they're waiting for their turn on this game. That's yeah a great
1: idea yep
2: and that, yeah that's what I wanted. but it also has you know it has enough stuff in it that if you have it at home, uh, it's gonna be really hard for you to beat everything at once on the on the game. You can focus you know you can focus your path to trying to get one of the the mini wizard multiballs, but trying to get all of them on one game is really tough. So I think it has the best, best of both worlds in that case, you know quick gameplay. But if you really want to hunker down and set it to five balls and try to get through the whole thing, then it's it you know, also offers that. So, yeah, that's, that's what I went for with that. And um, I, I love Beatles myself. It's another fun game that you can play with your buddies and, you know, have a quick ball times, but still enjoy yourself and have fun. Um, I mean, that's what it's about.
1: And that's another thing I've always said about the old school versus the newer, newer school games is the new school games are more like a novel the old school games are more like a short story, you know? Yes. And so I like that short story. If you have, well, if you're getting ready for work and you get to leave and it's like, you know what? I have time for a quick game of pinball. You can grab it on an old school game, but you cannot do it on a new school game. It's like, you got to shut the game off and get off to work. You cannot do it if you're, you know, typically. Yeah, you know, new a new school game,
2: you got an LCD, you got assets, well, we got to show these assets. Well, how do you show right. these assets? Well, you put a bunch of modes in the game and you have longer ball times, so, you know, it's- right. It, it's kind of evolved into what you said. And, uh, you know, not everybody always wants to invest that much time into, you know, the story. They just want to have some quick kinetic fun. And, um, hopefully bond 60th brings that.
1: And it, it's great that there's now, you know, there's some choices out there. So now you have a nice variety. So it's, it's great. It brings that old school back in so you can have a mix. You can play some old school and play some new school instead of just going one way, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't want it all in one direction because uh, right. I still love my Godzilla. I, I have a
1: sure.
2: and it's like, yeah, I still, uh, I still want to play these games where I want to focus for half an hour. But sure. do I do that all the time? No. Sometimes I just want to play a five minute game of Bond. So, you know. So well, well Dave and I are <laughs> both going to uh,
0: Allentown. Hopefully, uh, we get the opportunity to play uh, that
2: game. Yeah, I hope so. I hope, uh, hope everyone gets a chance to play it.
1: And and it's it's, of- it's it's sold out, right? It's it's all gone. Everybody grabbed them, right? Or no? The the bar <clears> 16.
2: Yeah, yeah. We uh we just finished the run um this past week. Um okay. the first the first half of them went overseas, and then we did a small batch for US, and then we just finished that up. So everyone in the US should be getting their games if they haven't already by um the end of this month.
1: Cool. Well, you got it.
2: anything else dave i'm uh
1: Hi. i'm
0: uh i'm completely out of questions i got one
1: or not. i got one more thing <laughs> we only got a couple minutes left it's, it's going to time out in about five or six minutes okay. um but uh i saw you 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 got a cnn interview at one point a little cnn quickie thing i saw you on
2: oh yeah
1: now how'd that come about how would that uh happen
2: oh, yeah. i don't remember Okay. I everyone making fun of me. I was like, "Yeah, whatever."
1: Really? <laughs> Have you got much um, uh, airtime like that in different shows and that kind of thing? Have you been approached over the years for? for
2: um, that kind of? you know, sometimes it's it's not my thing. I'm not Mister Raw salesman type. I'm not gonna um, self promote myself. I, you know, I just I'm happy doing what I enjoy doing, and if people like what I make, great. If not, sure. yeah. I can handle it, but I'm not I'm never gonna be like, hey, look at me. You know, I've right. been at, even when I was competing. Uh I'd rather just, you know, be the guy behind the scenes, you know.
1: That's cool. That's cool. I need
2: to, I need to add a word to your uh
0: to your description at the beginning of uh, this podcast. Humble. Very <laughs> humble.
2: That's why that's when you said I said, Don't you know who I am? I was like, What? I don't
0: ever say <laughs> right. what
1: hey it you makes know, for
2: a good story come on keith it, go
1: you know what perhaps i paraphrase slightly <laughs> you, no, know maybe,
3: maybe,
0: you, you
1: know what maybe it might have been you might not have said it but i'm saying the, the look you gave me at least was kind of like really like you, it's like one of those that's what it was but i took it as don't you know who i am
2: anyone could beat anyone on any given day especially on a classic game so i can't imagine i'd ever say that to you but
1: so yeah, if, you if, if it works
2: for your story, great.
1: You probably, you probably didn't say it to me. I'm I, I think I inferred that by the look you gave me. Because the look I when you gave me the look, I was like, uh oh. I just <laughs> had this sinking feeling in my heart that's like, <laughs> I just did the wrong move here. <laughs> I know you gave me a gave me a certain look that's like, really? You going? Maybe I'm surprised
2: you went all in. Yeah, I don't yeah,
1: know. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. Okay. All right. A withdraw and rephrase. <laughs> But, uh, okay this, Dave, we're gonna we're great. gonna put a wrap to this. Let's wrap it up. This has been great. Thanks a lot, Keith, for uh for coming on with us as, and, and wrapping yeah, up. Yeah, no up.
0: problem. It's been fun. Yeah. I I very much appreciate it. Um I didn't think it would go this long, but you're very generous with your time. And it, it's good to hear about classic pinball. Uh and that's
2: what we're all about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's I, my preferred game still to this day i love classic games i love restoring them i love playing them um i don't think that's ever going to change well we look forward to
0: your next release whenever that is and uh hopefully uh, at some point in time our paths will cross again all right sounds good
1: and if you're ever out in the northeast you're you're walking over with my humble arcade and uh try to take down my high scores I'm roll, you,
2: roll your flash Gordon. all right
1: yeah roll my flash gordon
2: <laughs> all right sounds good
1: cool Thanks,
2: you
1: thanks Keith. all right thanks Bye. take
2: care bye-bye you've been
0: listening to the classic pinball podcast my name is george his name is dave this is kind of turning into a monthly folks uh long form it seems to work everybody likes it so we're going to continue with that format so everybody be well stay healthy and uh we'll uh, see you in about a month
1: And this is Dr. Dave here saying uh, be blessed, happy, uh, don't stay safe, but I will say uh, take lots of chances out there because life is risk and that's worth living. Stay lit and tilted.
0: Kind of go through your history if we could, okay. um, and start there, and that'll probably branch out into other things. You okay with that? Yep.
2: Yeah. Okay. I'm going to get that started. An blackjack back
1: there. It is an <laughs> Ian blackjack. Yes, keen eye. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. I, and and one little quick thing, you know, I I saw you playing that in a tournament recently, and it got me. It's like you know, I have an Ian blackjack. Because I saw you do so long, it's like, I'm going to restore that up for me and put it in my game room. So, thanks for that. (laughs) Yeah,
2: there's there's only like 100
1: of those, right? 120. Nice. Scored it locally, too. That's great. Okay, here we go. Who do you call when you want your pinball machine restored?
3: Dr. Dave!
1: Dave! Who? Dave! D A V. Yeah, Dave! right but george
3: you don't know what you're saying you're under their control george george george
0: don't worry about the tab george here has got money shut up
2: this joker's not only stupid he's a moron besides i heard that thanks for the compliment
0: (laughs)